verses 5 through 12, 1 Samuel chapter 18, and verses 5 through 12. Uh, there are Bibles there in the chair back in front of you, and the verses will appear on the screen as well. Those who are able, if you'll stand at this time for the reading of God's Word, 1 Samuel 18, verses 5 through 12. The Bible says, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tabrets with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward, and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand, and at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for uh, this great David. Our series on David's journey through the Psalms. And um, we could probably do this for uh, uh, well into next year, trust me. Um, but uh, I, I don't think we'll go terribly long with it, but it's been, uh, it's been kind of an encouraging study to me in some respects, and, and I hope that it's, uh, it's a help to you. We, talk, we began two weeks ago with um, the boy who would be king, uh, talking about David uh, after he was anointed. Then we talked about the giant uh, slayer, and uh, today, tonight, we're going to be talking about his flight from Saul. And uh, running, running basically for his life and the circumstances surrounding it, and what particular passage of scripture that parallels uh, the the reading that uh, Andy led us in from First Samuel 18. Um, and of course, it's important to understand that that background. Um, there's pretty good agreement on these psalms as far as when they were written, in and how they correlated with the events as they unfolded in David's timeline. There is always some discrepancy because it, there's, there's nowhere where David said, hey, I wrote this when I was running from Saul. And uh, this is the one I wrote when uh, I was right after I left Goliath, I, I wrote this. It, it, there's nowhere that it says that. So, but there's pretty good general consensus. There are some who think that uh, he wrote several of his psalms right after these episodes here in 1 Samuel 18. Um, one of the psalms is Psalm 23. There are those who think that that was written as one of the Psalms, and of course that one's very, very familiar. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and uh, we've all gleaned strength and comfort from that one. Um, but uh, a general consensus is that the fifth Psalm was written uh, right around this time, and it's going to be the one that we'll parallel uh, and uh, jump in there with tonight. Um, I saw someone sent me a meme, and, and, it, and it said that uh, David or Saul threw a javelin at David because he was playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Um, 
because uh, I guess because of my comments about it's okay to decorate. Do you remember when I said that? I, I said it a, a week or so ago because they, they say that people are generally more healthy and more happy if they decorate early. And so how many of you have already started? A few of you? All right. Uh, how many of you already have your tree up? One, two, two, three, three trees. Okay, uh, someone has already asked me, hey, Pastor, where's our trees? Um, back there. <laughs> but uh, we'll, they'll, they'll be up before too long. And, and I, I, but I, I, I'm for you if you want to do it. But I don't think that's why I saw through the javelin, uh, because David was playing Christmas songs uh, before Thanksgiving. But uh, I appreciate their, their insight into Scripture and biblical truth. Um, but nonetheless... So as we, as we think about this setting, um, here's David, and David, really, we, it would do us well to read the entirety of the chapter, but the chapter's many, many verses, and, and I would encourage you, as we do these studies, to look at it in totality, and I, I pull a few verses out there. But as David, uh, as that chapter begins, <coughs> Saul brings David into close confidence with him, and he's, he's right there in the middle with it, and... Uh, Man, he, he just thinks the world of David, but it's not too long after that, and they're marching through the streets of Jerusalem. It wouldn't have been unusual. It had been very customary. And the king would typically be on such an outing with those who were closest to him, advisors and people that, with whom he trusted. Um, David was on that trip, and boy, they saw, they saw Saul, and the voice of praise came up very quickly. Saul has slain his thousands. That's a pretty good song. Saul loved that verse. But then they followed it up when they saw David. And they said, David hath slain his thousands, right? Ten thousands. So he ups the ante on it. He says, uh, and then Saul heard that. And boy, when that happened, things changed. And so it wasn't long after that. One of the verses that Andy led us in reading was that from that day forward, Saul eyed David. And it was, an, it was an unpleasant thing. It was like his, his heart was then set against God's anointed, uh, God's anointed young man who was going to take his place. So when that happened, boy, it was, a, it was a game changer, and everything changed. And it was at that point, you have the, the story where they're, they're at Saul's house in the banquet table, and man, all of a sudden, he reaches across and throws a javelin. And uh, man, welcome to dinner. Dinner with Saul. Um, it's, it's almost, you read this and you think, really, you're kidding. No. Um, and that evil spirit came upon him. And so in the verses that we parallel, um, from first Samuel also, we'll be looking at the fifth Psalm. So we're talking about David's journey through the Psalm and we'll be in Psalm, uh, five and, uh, we'll start reading in verse number one. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, uh, we'll read that and I'm going to pray and we'll jump through these, uh, thoughts that we have from David's journey through the Psalms. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for your help, your favor, guide and direct our words and our thoughts tonight. And we ask for you to uh, speak to us, Lord, as only you can. We pray for your divine help. And uh, Lord, uh, help us, Lord, to glean from your word uh, lessons and help and encouragement. And I pray that you'd speak to every heart as only you can. God, we do ask for your favor and your blessing. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Notice, if you would, on the screen, Psalm 5, and I'm going to go ahead and pull that up there, but 
Uh, if you've got your Bibles open, it is but 12 verses, so we'll look at it right there. Um, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up, for thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house, in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth, their inward part is very wickedness, their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out on the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. And then the last verse, verse number 12, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor Will thou compass him with a shield? So as we see David's journey through the Psalms, we notice in the flight from Saul, the very first thing that I want to draw your attention to is found in verse number one. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Now that's Psalm 121, parallel passage. But I wanted to say this first of all, and the first thing that we draw from this, David's running from Saul, running for his life. First thing that we see is David knew whom to ask for help. That's very important because here is David, and he's thinking, I've been anointed king, I've killed Goliath, man, I'm making good inroads with with the the king, and I've got an elevated position, and so this is going to be good. But that's not what happens. Everything turned against him. And so in that moment, by the way, that's a lesson for all of us, because the Bible would tell us later about David that David was a man after God's own heart. So if David is a man after God's own heart, then you think, well, then that means everything's going to go great. That means there's going to be no problems, no trouble. But being a child of God does not mean you're void of trouble. It doesn't mean that you never have an issue. It doesn't mean you never have a worry. Because David is right here, man. He thinks, man, now, now that I'm in this position and I, God has uh, delivered the, the Philistine in the hands of, of, of me and he used me to accomplish that, everything's going to be good. And it turns out the exact opposite. By the way, sometimes when you think everything is going great, all of a sudden, in a moment, in an instant, things can change. And your life can be turned on its head in a moment, in an instant. A phone call, bad news one way or another, financial adverse reversal, any number of things. But it's important to understand that David begins this psalm, all right? Saul's throwing a javelin at me. That's a bad day, okay? I'm running because I know he's going to kill me. Remember, David's the one who says, I shall now one day perish at the hand of Saul. He says that later on from this passage. Uh, after uh, this particular encounter. But as he's saying it here, he's going to God immediately. You say, why is that significant? Because that's not typically our approach. Typically what we do when troubles come our way, we tell everybody we know, especially in our day of social media culture. We get on there and we say, uh, we we tell them everything. Um, You know, pray for me, I got a sore toe. And boom, we put it out there. And there's nothing wrong with wanting people to pray for you. Um, you know, it's, it's either, 
And I, I'm, I'm not thinking of anybody. So if you put on there that you had a sore toe, uh, forgive me. I, I'm not picking on you. And I do think it is a good means to put the word out for prayer. I'm not, not minimizing that at all. Um, you know, I, I learn things uh, from, you know, of a, of a great need in another place because it's put on Facebook or, or social media or Twitter or whatever. I'm not opposed to those things. But you have to understand something. The first person David went to was God. I'm running for my life, and, and Saul's out after me, and so what am I going to do? I, I'm not going to tell everybody my problems first. I'm going to tell God. You see, because there's two thoughts there. Number one, he cares more than anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what your situation is. Nobody cares about your burden more than God does. By the way, nobody knows what's better for you than the Lord does. And not only is God the one who cares the most, God is the one who can do the best by it. God can answer our prayers. It's, uh, um, his ear is not heavy. His arm is not shortened. Uh, God's not handicapped in any way for whatever your problem, your burden is. And I guarantee you, if I, ask, if, if I passed around a piece of paper tonight, and I asked everybody to write down some needs that you have in your life, whether they're personal, whether you're thinking of somebody else, again, whether it's relationship or finances or whatever it might be, health, and I asked you to start writing those out, I guarantee you everybody would have some. Here's my question to you. Did you tell someone before you told him? And I'm not saying it's wrong to tell someone. I'm just saying we need to go to somebody that we know cares and can. And that's God. So the first thing we learn about David here in uh, Psalm 5, and I think it's, uh, I think it's verse 1, uh, where he says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. He says, God, I got a problem. I need some help. I love the, the simplicity sometimes of David's prayers. It's kind of like Peter. Peter steps out in the water, and he doesn't, and you know, he saw the wind and the waves, and he realized, hey, uh, this was cool when I stepped out of the boat, but now it's not looking so good right now. And he doesn't go into a great lengthy prayer. He says, Lord, save me. You know, and uh, David often prayed very simple prayers. Um, God, deliver me. Uh, he was very, sometimes, and you see this in this psalm, by the way, where he basically says, God, take care of that guy. In other words, kill my enemy. Um, you know, and I, if David could pray that way, I'm not saying you should, you should pray, God, kill my enemy. Um, but David didn't mind just going to God and putting it right out there because he understood, here I am in uh, my flight from Saul. The first thing I don't want to mistake is I want to know where I need to go for help. And we need to encourage that, particularly in the lives of our children. They ought to know who to go to. Now, obviously, when they're trusting you and they're living in your home, the first person they're going to come to is mom and dad. But you want to make sure that you don't develop the attitude that we see sometimes in our culture when all else fails, pray. That's a foolish thing. When all else fails, pray. No, no, no. Um, we should think prayer first, everybody else later. But our, our, our culture has kind of flipped that. I think I've shared this story before, but when I was, I was pastoring in Kentucky many years ago, and uh, there, was a, there was a World War II veteran, and he was always very convicting, man. I'll tell you, his life and his testimony was just so, uh, so gracious. He always walked around with a pocket full of tracks. He witnessed to everybody and, and was not afraid to be very bold in his faith. And, and uh, I remember one time, and he, and he was loud because he was, he was, he worked, uh, uh, he was at the Battle of the Bulge, and he lost a lot of his hearing, and so his, his hearing was pretty well gone. And so when he talked to you, he talked very loudly, I mean, really, really loudly. And uh, 
One time I was at Walmart and saw him, and we were, I was coming around the frozen foods, and I saw him coming towards me. And you know, at that moment when you make eye contact, you can't run and go grab a pizza out of the other section. You're, you're, you're toast. You're nailed. And he goes, Brother Stewart! I mean, you know, of course, it was like the PA was on at Walmart. You know, clean up on, like, you know, line, whatever. And so he called me, and so I said, hey, I, I said, how are you doing? His name was Harold. And so I went down, and we were talking to him. And literally everybody can hear our conversation. You know what I'm talking? It's, it's one of those, you know, Brother Stewart, I just, and I'm thinking, this is, this is awesome, you know? And, and he's, he's talking, and, and in our conversation, I remember talking about something that we need to pray about. He said, that's good, Brother Stewart, let's pray right now. And he did. That loud. I mean, right there in the middle of it, you know, and I'm like, hey, okay, whatever. Um, no, no shy bone in his body. And he did, man. I mean, people are going by, you know, and, you know, and here we are praying right in the middle of Walmart. By the way, God can put you in a position where you want to pray. He'll put you in a position where you know you need to pray. Um, I remember being at a Walmart in northern Kentucky right across the river from the hospital where Rebecca was. And I was, sta- I was standing in line, and I was, we had just heard that the doctors had just told us that she probably would not survive. So that was kind of a big, big blow to us, but I'd gone over to get my wife was going to stay. We just found out about her prognosis, and I was over there. I was standing in Walmart Lane, and there was a lady at the checkout, and uh, she said, sure, can I help you? Uh, she said, sir, can I help you? And I said, and it, I just started crying. I, I mean, I just started crying. I'm getting, you know, I've got, I just totally lost it right then and there. And she turned her light off, and she said, is there something I can pray with you about? And I told her, I told her my story, and she said, all of you back here, and there was a line behind us, she said, we're going to have prayer right now for this gentleman's daughter who's in the hospital across the river. And they all stopped. Nobody got out of the line. They all bowed their heads and started praying with us. That's pretty remarkable. And uh, I, I was so moved by her willingness to pray with me. Now, you have to have that same attitude when it comes to your needs and burdens. Hey, listen, you know, if this world from you withhold of its silver and its gold and you have to get along with me, you're fair, just remember in his words how he feeds the little birds, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. I was a teenager and we went to a place one night after a youth activity. And it was kind of like a Sherry's. And they were, we, we would go there for some dessert or something after the activity. And we, you know, you know how it is sometimes you get a group, especially a group of young people or teens together, Andy, like, like you guys when you go to McDonald's or what, you kind of take over the place. Well, that's, that's kind of what we did. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, we just, there were more of us than there were more of them. And uh, my youth pastor asked one of the young men in our youth group to pray. And uh, he, he was really, he didn't want to. He didn't want to pray in front of people in the restaurant. He started looking around. And he said, he said, are you worried about praying in front of all these people? And he goes, yes. He said, okay, don't worry about it. And then he pulled his chair out and stood up on his chair in front of the restaurant. And he said, hey, let's pray before the food comes. Now, he hadn't lost his hearing in World War II, but he made sure that everybody in that restaurant heard him. And he began to pray, and he said, Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to not be ashamed. And I'm just... 
here's, here's my friend, and I'm, you know, it's like one of those want to get away moments, and he's just like wanting to slink under the chair. But man, what a, what a great lesson that was. And he, it taught me something then. Hey, don't be afraid to pray. You, you know, if, by the way, if you're in public and you're at a restaurant, I guarantee you, you'll probably encourage somebody's hearts when you pray. More times than I could count on both hands, I've had somebody come up to me and my family after we've prayed in public and told me, boy, that was good to see. That encouraged my heart. Thank you for not being ashamed to pray. And I don't know their particular church background or faith, but I know this, they're praying people. And we ought to be people who pray. We, don't, we shouldn't just talk about it. We shouldn't just tell everybody, and well, I know somebody else who can pray. Or, I'm going I'm to put the word out. Nothing wrong with that. But David said, I want to go directly to God. So it's important to understand, I'm running for my life. I've been at supper. I had a spear thrown at me. It's quite the tale. I mean, nobody's got a story quite like that, I don't think, even though we probably have some, you know, great stories. But in this moment, David said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to God. Same God who delivered me in the, from the lion, same God who delivered me from the bear, same God who delivered me from Goliath will be the same God who delivers me from Saul if he chooses to do so. And it's important for us to understand. Hey, by the way, one thing that ought to be clear for every child of God, don't ever let the blessings and the goodness of God in your past be distant in your memory. Sometimes we, oh, that was a long time ago. L- listen, God hasn't changed. In fact, he said, I'm the Lord, I change not. And so, whatever God has done in the past, he longs to do it yet again in the future. And and where we're at right now, God doesn't want to stop saving people. He's not done. God doesn't want to stop uh, putting homes back together, bringing home the prodigal. You know, that's not the way God works. I I think I mentioned it in the connection class this morning. I don't think I mentioned it in here, but if I did, forgive me. But I talked to a young man at the airport. His name was Jonathan, and and uh, uh, this was yesterday when I was in Dallas, and I stopped to, um, and, and was chatting. I was getting my shoes shined, and, and uh, this, I talked to He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. And I said, I'm just heading home and, and uh, all of that. And he said, I'm a PK. And he told me where he, he grew up in Pontiac. Pon- Did I tell this this morning? Okay. He grew up in Pontiac, Michigan. And he said, I'm, I'm a PK. And he said, but I'm a prodigal now. And he was in his 30s, and he said, I've been away from the Lord. But, boy, I wanted, to, I wanted to take that opportunity to try to help him. Why? Because he's, got a probably, he's probably got a praying mom and dad back home in Pontiac, Michigan, who are thinking about their son who's down there in Dallas, and they'd only been there for a few weeks, and this was the job he found, shining shoes in the airport. And uh, he was an articulate young man, good guy, and, and all of that, and he, and he thanked me. In fact, he was quoting... Quoting scripture, he said, I'm honored to get to shine the shoes. He said, because the Bible says how beautiful are the feet of, of uh, the, those who preach the gospel. And so he said, he said, this is awesome. So, you know, I'm thinking the guy had some, some good upbringing, but he was away from God. But I guarantee you there's a mom and dad back home. And he talked about his grandmother and his grandfather. And I guarantee you they were praying for him. And so it's, it's important for us to do as David did. God delivered me from the hand of the lion, from the hand of the bear, from Goliath, and here's Saul. It's just another in a series of battles. And everything that you and I face in life, one thing we have to keep very, very clear and very, very uh, dear to us is that we never stop going to God. By the way, you may think you get a no, but remember this, sometimes with God, a no is just a not now. God doesn't always, you know, tell you everything how it's all going to turn out. 
Remember the classic example of Saul on the road to Damascus. He's on the road to Damascus, uh, and he says, Lord, what will I have you to do? And God tells him, arise, go to the city, and it shall be told thee. In other words, I'll tell you later. Most of the Christian life is God telling you later. And he, you, it's not kicking the can down the road. It's just the way God works. God's never late. God's never early. God's always right on time. There are many things that we think, well, why didn't you do it this way? Why didn't you do it now? And, and I need this now. And God says, no, no. And God's a big picture God. He's looking at the totality of, 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 uh, of those in your sphere of influence, always. Uh, but may I say this? First of all, David knew whom to ask for help. And then uh, notice in verse 2 and 3 of the same chapter, Psalm 5, verse 2 and 3. It's on the screen there in front of you. You don't have your Bible open. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and we'll look up. Um, then I want to, a parallel passage, Psalm 145, verses 1 through 3. I will extol thee, my God, on the screen there in front of you, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I praise thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now that passage that we read there in Psalm chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, it doesn't sound like a time for this. But first of all, we notice that David knew whom to ask for help, but he also knew that God was worthy of praise. And it doesn't matter if everything is flying in your face and you think God has forsaken you and you're not getting your prayers answered or this isn't working out like I thought it would or this disappointment has come my way and I, I don't understand this, I thought this would be okay by now. Hey, listen, God is worthy of praise if your life's falling apart. God is worthy of praise if you're broke. God is worthy of praise if you have heartbreak. God is worthy of praise if you have sickness. God is worthy of praise when you don't have any money. God is worthy of praise because God is worthy. God is not worthy of praise because things are going great for you and you don't have a problem, you don't have a care in the world. God is worthy of praise because he's who he is. And because of everything that he's done in the past, everything that he's doing now, and everything that he's going to do in the future. We don't ever want to put God on trial and say, I'll praise you if you do this for me. And that's a foolish way to look at things. If, if I get this, then I'll know that you're good. Hey, listen if, I, listen, if I never get a single prayer answered again for the rest of my life, God has been better to me than I deserve. If I lost everything that I had, uh, one of the pastors that was there this past week, and I talked about how so many of them were, were in, in re really desperate situations in, in his church and his, in his home and, and, and lost it all during one of the hurricanes there along the Gulf Coast. And um, they were in a situation where they couldn't even afford hurricane insurance because they were in a hurricane zone. But he's pastoring a church, and boom, comes in. Uh, half his church members, they lose everything. And, man, this is a guy that's, you know, really, really de depressed and discouraged. But you still praise God. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Now, can you imagine such a statement? Now, now Job didn't say, well, I was praising him yesterday because I was one of the wealthiest dudes in town. And yesterday, I was healthy. Man, I was in great shape and I was the talk of the town. I, I was in the gates. People would come to me for counsel. 
I, I was praising him yesterday because I had 10 children. I was praising him yesterday because I, I had plenty of money and possessions and stocks and herds and all of those things. Uh, I, I was praising him then. But then, boom, one day everything changes. And you know what? I'm still praising him. Because praising God is not dependent upon how good you have it. Praising God is dependent upon how good God is, and God is always good. He's always good. The Bible says, I think it's Genesis 18, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God doesn't do wrong. God doesn't mess things up. There's no mistakes. There's no whoops moments with God. And if you feel like, well, I, I didn't get this prayer answered the way that I wanted to. Now, I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. We talked about him early, arguably one of the greatest Christians of the New Testament. God used him in, uh, in terms of the number of books to write practically half the New Testament. And yet the Bible tells us that thrice, three times, he asked God to take away that thorn in the flesh. And, uh, um, but, but God never did. So, so Paul got an answer, and the answer was no, or the answer was not yet. Uh, uh, someday, down the road, and he kept kicking it down the road. I don't know if that was three specific moments Paul prayed, seasons of life. I don't know exactly what it was, but he said, three times I begged God to take that away. He never did. But it doesn't mean that, that God was not good and gracious, uh, kind and merciful and long-suffering to the Apostle Paul. And you and I have to understand something. Even if everything is against us, God is still worthy of praise because God has created, that, that verse we read in Revelation chapter 4 sums it up beautifully. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Uh, God is worthy for praise. It's one of the reasons why every time you get a chance to sing about him in the house of God or driving down the road, as I do so marvelously every day, I mean, I'm fabulous in the road by, by myself and, and all of that, but man, it is a chance for us to lift our voice in praise to God. We sing a lot of things, you know, but man, don't miss an opportunity to give God praise for who He is, for what He does. Uh, you, you think, you know, you know, uh, th- think about what God has done in your life. I'm not, don't sit there and examine what you don't have. Think about what God has done. Number one, if you're here as a child of God, you don't, need to, you, you don't need to put anything else down. You can say right now, I'm not going to hell. Doesn't matter how bad this life gets, I'll never know hell. There's a song, I haven't heard it in years, but I think the song is the only fire I'll ever feel is burning in my heart um, because I, I, I'll never have to go to hell is the, is the gist of the song. But, but that's exactly how it is for the child of God. God has been better to me than I could ever imagine, better to me than I would ever deserve, and if I, you know, as I said about John Newton this morning, he said three surprises when I get to heaven. Who's there, who's not there, and the fact that I'm there. Boy, that's a great way to look at it because it's, you know, <laughs> we, we sing the song. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. And when we sing those songs about God, when we sing a song about his mercy, when we sing a song, grace, <laughs> think about grace. It's been said as an acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense, the very fact that you and I have been delivered. 
We've been bought with a price. We've been redeemed. We've been set apart. We have a home in heaven. And no matter what is happening in your life right now, God is worthy to be praised. Not because you're on top of the world, but because God is worthy to be praised. Great is the Lord and worthy to be praised, the Bible tells us. And so, boy, don't don't forget that. So David, first of all, we see David knew whom to ask for help. Important for us to understand that. And then secondly, David knew that God was worthy of praise. Then, if, if we could, notice uh, the verses there in 1 Samuel chapter 18. I want to I draw a couple things out here <coughs> uh, from one verse that Andy led us in reading, then two others in that same passage. The Bible says, and David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and notice, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. If we fast forward in that same, ver- same passage, uh, 10 verses later, verse 14, the Bible says, And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Further, towards the very end of that chapter, uh, 1 Samuel 18, verse 30, Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass, after they went forth, that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. Now notice Psalm 5, 4. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. David understood this. No matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to keep doing right. See, God's not on trial. So I'm not going to be obedient to God just because he took care of something for me. I'm going to be obedient to God for the same reason that I praise him, because he's worthy. Thou art worthy. Now, I'm not worthy, but God certainly is. And so uh, it's an amazing statement that God would say about David, he behaved himself wisely. We know what God equates wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, so he was more fearful of God than he was of Saul even though he's running from his life from Saul. But he said, I'm going to do right. I'm not going to do right because it's convenient. I'm not going to do right because it's popular. I'm not going to do right because my friend's doing it. I'm going to do right because it's right to do right. If no, hey, listen, listen to me, young people. If nobody else is, is, is honoring and obedient to their parents, you ought to be honoring and obedient to your parents because you, you purpose to do right. And the Bible says about David here, not only did God make that statement about him, but everybody that was around him. In fact, Saul noticed, this guy's behaving himself wisely. Even though I've got him on the ropes, and even though I'm hunting him down, and even though I'm tossing a spear in his direction, I, I can't break him. Now, I know David had the, the episode in that season in his life when Everybody was at war, and he was at home, and with Bathsheba, we know that. And then with Uriah, one thing after another, we understand that uh, terrible thing. But David, right here, he said, uh, God, you don't have any pleasure in wickedness. He said, so I'm going to run from it. I'm going to flee from it. And if uh, I'm interested to you young people, listen, if you're around somebody and they're doing wrong, pack up and go. I remember being, listen, I remember being in a car where guys were drinking down the road, and I told them to let me out. And they did. Laugh the whole way. That's okay. You got somebody that wants to talk, uh, listen to me, young people. You got somebody that wants to talk bad about their mom and dad. You don't have anything to do with that. You say, well, my mom and dad ain't perfect. Well, I don't know anybody who is except the Lord Jesus Christ. My parents weren't perfect. Boy, I love them. And I want to honor them. Why? Because that's what God said to do. And so I don't, I don't want to be a companion of those that are doing wrong. I want to be a companion of those that are doing right. And David said, listen, 
I'm not going to do right because it feels right. I'm not going to do right because everybody else is doing right. I'm going to do right because it's right to do right. It is always right to do the right thing. And you're going to have plenty of opportunities to do wrong. But listen, don't, don't be afraid to do that which is right, that which is pleasing, that which is honoring to the Lord. And that doesn't apply to just young people. That applies to us as adults. Listen, uh, we all need, know the things that God wants us to do that are right, that are honoring, that are pleasing to Him. And David said, I'll tell you the first thing I understand is I, I know who to ask for my help. I know where to go. No questions asked. I know that God is worthy of praise. And then thirdly, he said, I'm going to do right. And he said, I'm going to do right in spite of these two things. Number one, I'm going to do right in spite of opposition. And we live in a culture where it's, it's even more increasingly bent against doing right. It's more increasingly bent against Christianity, against the Bible, against the Word of God, against morality. I mean, we're, we're losing our moral compass. By the way, that's why I, the Word of God is so imperative in our lives today. But you do right even if nobody else is doing right. Uh, you know, if you, uh, you, it doesn't matter whether someone else is running along with you because God is. And so David said, I'm going to do right in spite of the opposition. Second thing, I'm going to do right in spite of the fear. Because I, I used those illustrations earlier. That young man that was with me was in the youth department. And I'm not saying that I would handle it any different than he did, but he didn't pray. And so our youth pastor made it very clear. And in spite of fear, and by the way, most of the time we fear more what people think about us than what God knows about us. It's a foolish way to live. We're so worried about, well, what are they going to say? Most of the people that we try to impress in this life, we only meet for a very small window. But we're going to answer to God one day for everything we've ever done, every thought we've ever had, every word we've ever said. And so when, it, when we choose, hey, I'll tell you what, in spite of the enemy, I'm going to do right. And in spite of opposition, I'm going to do right. And in spite of fear. You know what the Bible says about the fear? The Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. Because that's what happens. The fear of man will keep you from making a move to God. The fear of man, I guarantee there will be people in hell because of the fear of man. Agrippa said, almost thou persuades me to be a Christian. I don't know what kept him from it, but it might have been the fear of that company that he was with that day. I don't know. But you listen to me today, boy. One of the greatest lessons from this particular uh, Psalm 5 is when David says, listen, I know who to ask for help. Hands down, no questions. I know who to ask for help. Number two, I know that God is worthy of praise. And number three, I know that David, uh, I know that David purposed to do that which is right. And so should we in every area of our life. Shall we stand?